Good morning, my friend. I hope you're doing well. I am excited about another beautiful day out here on the river in Nebraska. And whatever is going on in your world, pray that you are safe and warm and happy and healthy. But if you're going through one of those hard times, I pray that you are surrounded by people who love you and that you uh, find some way to attach on to hope today. And I'm going to give you one thought process that might help. There's an interesting thing that's happening. The United States just went through its midterm elections, and there's a lot of controversy again, just like there was in 2020. And a lot of people are stressed out, and I just thought that would be a good opportunity to remind you that God is God no matter who the president is. God is God no matter who your representative or senator or attorney general are. None of that changes God's plan and God's will for your life and God's purpose and the reason that you are here and your purpose. That Politics aren't the key to your happiness or your uh, ability to pursue your life as God put you on the planet to do. And so I want to give you um, a little reminder of that. Back in 2020, at the time of the presidential election, everybody was feeling the same kinds of things. And I gave you a lesson from an old prophet called Habakkuk in the Old Testament. And there's a, a thought cancer. There's there's a way of thinking that can turn into a cancer in your life if you think that your happiness and peace of mind depends on circumstances. And transplant whatever you think about into that sentence that I just gave you, whether it's who the president is or whether or not somebody's faithful to you or how much money you have or what kind of job you have or whether you remain healthy. If you think those circumstances have to line up just right in order for you to be happy or be successful or be okay or be able to live out your life according to some sort of hope and and passion, then you're going to have trouble when those things don't come to pass. That's the whole purpose of the subtitle of my last book. I've seen the end of you when I said faith, doubt, and the things we think we know. Because sometimes when those things we think we know don't go the right way, it can really affect our quality of life if we're not if we don't build it on the right thing. So this thought cancer of if and when, like if this happens or when that happens, then I'll be okay. Then I'll be able to be successful. Then I'll be happy. Then I'll be able to do this or do that if and when. And those turn out to be thought cancers. And the solution is to transplant them, to radically resect them and transplant them with though and yet, which we learned from the Old Testament prophet Habakkuk. I'm going to give you that episode back. Um, Don't apply it to just politics. Apply it to any area of your life where circumstances have become too important to you. And I think it'll really help. Friend, I'm excited about this episode as much as I was, maybe more than I was in 2020 when I recorded it, because I believe it has the power to really unlock uh, the secret to peace and, and joy no matter what you're facing. And that's really the whole reason I'm here in front of this microphone every day. I hope you have an amazing day and hope this episode is helpful to you. Be back tomorrow and I will talk to you soon. God bless, friend. So I thought it would be a good time for us to go back in history to an old guy in the Old Testament who can teach us a lot about self-brain surgery. Now, we think our politics in 2020 are stressful. We think situations in our lives are stressful. But in Old Testament times, kings who fought against each other publicly executed the ones they defeated. Sometimes they gathered their whole family and made the defeated king watch as they raped and murdered the wife and children of the king before they finally killed him. If you were on the wrong side or losing side of a political fight in some countries today, and especially in Old Testament times, it wasn't good for you. So today's situation is nothing like it used to be at least, so remember that. Keep it in context. And in the 7th century B.C., there was a prophet named Habakkuk. And old Habakkuk had seen enough of people turning away from God. The setting of the book of Habakkuk in the Old Testament is that the nation of Israel 
had fallen away from God. And Habakkuk was the prophet who was trying to encourage the people to turn back towards God. And he was really frustrated. He was tired of watching them continually sin and leave God and not, and not do the things that they were supposed to do. He was crying out to God for answers. And in chapter 1, here's what Habakkuk said. How long, O Lord, must I call for help and you do not listen? How, must, how long must I cry out to you violence, but you do not save? Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so that justice is perverted. He's shaking his fist at God. He's saying, why, God, where did you go? Why are you ignoring all this injustice? Well, God answered Habakkuk, but his answers might surprise you. It turns out the book of Habakkuk is a great lesson in patience, hope, joy, and learning that God's plans aren't always clear or even understandable to us, but they are always right. Now, there's at least six lessons that I could pull out of Habakkuk. It's just a little short three-chapter book, take you about 45 minutes to read it. But there's at least six lessons, there's thousands more, but six that I could pull out just in a quick reading this week. And I spent a fair amount of time in Habakkuk this week because I was obviously stressed about a lot of these things. Habakkuk was definitely in on my, um, what I'm always telling you about, which I call self-brain surgery. Habakkuk was in on it, on these techniques that I'm always telling you to listen to and apply to change your mind and change your life. He can help you learn how to do that when things seem hard. Habakkuk can help you change your mind. Now, the punchline is, here we're going to get to the punchline right now. You have to swap if and when in your mind for though and yet. You have to swap if and when for though and yet. And we'll get to what that means later. If you can learn to replace if and when with though and yet, then you can learn to change your mind and you can get through any type of stressful situation in your life. And that's where we're going, my friend, And we're going to start today. Hey, are you ready to change your life? If the answer is yes, there's only one rule. You have to change your mind first. And my friend, there's a place where the neuroscience of how your mind works smashes together with faith and everything starts to make sense. That place is called self-brain surgery. You can learn it and it will help you become healthier, feel better, and be happier. And the good news is you can start today. Thanks, Lisa. Hey, so glad to have you listening today. I'm Dr. Lee Warren, and I live in Nebraska in the United States of America with my incredible wife, Lisa, my father-in-law, Tata, and the super pups, Harvey and Lewis. I'm a neurosurgeon and an author, and I'm here to help you harness neuroscience, the power of your brain, faith, the power of your spirit, and good old common sense to help you lead a healthier, better, happier life. Listen, friend, you can't change your life until you change your mind, and I'm here to help you learn the art of self-brain surgery to get it done if you'd like the show. Please subscribe so you never miss an episode and tell your friends about it. If you tell two or three friends this podcast was helpful to you, imagine how much good we can all do around the world together. I'm Dr. Lee Warren, and I'm here to help you change your mind so you can change your life. Let's get after it. Well, in hard times when you're wondering where God is, a great idea is to go back in time and see what he's done in previous situations with other people. So this week, I remembered old Habakkuk. Remember I told you once before in a podcast that Mark Twain said, history doesn't always repeat itself, but it often rhymes. And I love how the prophet Habakkuk opens and closes his book, and it helps you, it can help you see one of those history poems that I'm always talking about. Because what we're in right now, friend, is not the first time that people have faced stressful situations. 
Habakkuk opens the book with a prayerful plea to God. And God's reply is, Look, I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe even if I told you. And Habakkuk closes the book with, Though this, though this, and though this, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. So we're going to go through all that. God says, in Habakkuk 1.5, look among the nations and see, wonder and be astounded, for I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe even if I told you. So that's where he starts in chapter 1, and he ends, Habakkuk ends in 3.17.18. Though the fig tree does not bud, and though there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord and be joyful in God my Savior. Look, life can be difficult, right? And at some point, most of us have wondered, where are you, God? We may even have thought, it seems like evil is winning and God is silent. We have a choice as to how we respond to the difficulties in our life, though. Can we choose, yet I will rejoice in the Lord today, like Habakkuk did? Or are we going to be stuck shaking our fist? The prophet, Habakkuk, the prophet Habakkuk had an attitude that is worth paying attention to, friend. He made a choice to choose joy. I'm always telling you, you get to choose. You don't get to choose the circumstances, but you get to choose the response. You get to choose the emotional, neurochemical, and spiritual response that you have to the hard things in your life. And Habakkuk made a choice to choose joy. He was really upset by the spiritual situation that the people were in, that the moral decline of his society, like we're looking at today, was terrible. But God's response made him feel even worse at first because God said, hey, I'm going to do something you're not going to believe. And what God did was raise up an evil nation called Babylon to punish Judah, Israel's half is Israel's split off other nation. And Habakkuk didn't understand why God would do such a thing, why he would raise up these evil people to punish the good people in front of him. He didn't understand. But just two chapters later, he turned on joy because he had learned in those short two chapters how to rely on God's steadfast faithfulness and his unending love. And he learned to remember that he trusted God instead of his circumstance. Now, although the plan wasn't clear, it it was never clear to Habakkuk. But God proved that he's always up to something even when we can't see it. And it's super important that when we can't see God's plan, we need to emulate what Habakkuk did. He learned to trust anyway. He lived by faith and not by sight. He had that faith that created joy in spite of hard circumstance. And the secret was self-brain surgery. He stopped stewing in the bad neurochemistry cancers of if only or when this, and he swapped those out for the very powerful though and yet cures to those neurochemical cancers. Now, we've got a lot of if and whens in our lives, don't we? Do you know somebody, maybe you, maybe not, do you know somebody who never seems to be happy, who never seems to be content? They're constantly thinking they need this thing or that thing or a new car or a new house, or they say things like, I'd be happy if, or I'll be happy when I get that job, or if he proposes, or if I buy this house, or when she says yes, or when I get a new car, then I'll be happy, then I'll have peace, then I'll find joy, or if I get cured of this cancer, then I'll be okay. But the problem is, it doesn't usually work out that way. Because when we get that thing, or if that thing happens, we just find something else to be discontent about. Or another bad thing happens, and that steals our joy. The ifs and whens might happen, but people still find ways to not be happy. 
And that's why, friend, we cannot base our joy on the circumstances that surround our lives. We cannot base our joy on who is the president of the United States. We cannot base our joy on who holds the House or who holds the Senate or who your governor is. We cannot because if we do, we are going to be in big trouble when we don't get those things that we think we want. If we have a good job, we can pay the bills, we've got friends, we're married, and everybody's super great, and all these things are good, we might actually find some contentment for a while. We might even feel joy, but what happens then when the diagnosis comes back or she leaves or you find out he cheated or if life becomes tough because you lose a child like we did? What if you lose your job? You can't pay the bills. The market goes south. You know, they take away your guns, whatever they do. What if you don't have friends you can count on? What happens then? Can you still rejoice in the Lord in those moments or are you wrecked by the circumstance of your life? Here's the punchline. Circumstances must never be the dictators of whether or not you have hope or joy. Because if they are, you are in for big trouble. Because Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. Habakkuk's confident prayer, his confident choice to be joyful, to declare it, was in verse 17 and 18, like I said, It's a perfect demonstration of faith. He knew that this world was not his home, and he trusted God's plan even when he couldn't see it. Now, this happens in the New Testament, too. Philippians 4, 7 says, The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. He's talking about that peace that's beyond understanding, that you can't fathom the kind of peace that gives you joy even when you're going through hard things. John 15, 11, Jesus said, These things I have said to you, that my joy may be in you, that your joy may be full. He's talking about joy that's not tied to circumstance. It's tied to Savior. It's not tied to situation. It's tied to Savior. You tie, you tie your joy to something that never changes. And those two verses, they talk about peace and joy that are that are completely decoupled from circumstance. Remember I talked before about how I did all this research and how people handle hard things. That's where the concept of the book I've seen the interview came from. And I found out that the degree to which joy and circumstance are coupled in your life is directly proportional to how miserable you are. The more you couple joy and circumstance, the more miserable you are. The least, the less you couple, the more you decouple, the more you separate joy from circumstance, the more happy you will be. And the path to becoming infinitely happier, friend, is to decouple joy from circumstance. And that is the lesson of Habakkuk. Habakkuk, <laughs> got my tongue tied there. Habakkuk lived in an uncertain time like we do. Habakkuk wasn't sure what was going to happen, and neither are we. Habakkuk raised all these questions to God and shook his fist in God's face and said, how long must I put up with these people? But he ended with, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. And so the path from how long to yet I will rejoice is the, the, the path that you take over three chapters. I would highly encourage you to go read that. Because sometimes you just don't understand God's plan. Sometimes you just don't know what's going to happen. Sometimes you aren't sure it's going to be okay. But you want to have joy during your days on earth anyway. And there's six lessons we can learn from Habakkuk quickly. God's ways are different than our ways, but we can trust him. God doesn't do things like you do, like I do. God almost never solves something in the way that I think he will solve it. But he always 
solves it. You can trust that. Number two, God is always in control, even in times when it seems chaotic and confused. God is always in control. He is never out of control. We are often out of control, but God never is. Another lesson from Habakkuk, number three, God always wants what's best for us, but sometimes getting there is really, really hard to live through. Sometimes God's doing something really good. There's Harvey and Lewis growling in the background. Sometimes God wants what's best for us. He always wants what's best for us, but the path to getting there seems impossible for us sometimes. Read Victor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning and hear what he says about the concentration camp, knowing God was going to get him out of it, but the path was really, really hard. Number four, our job is not to always understand how God works, but to always trust that he is working on our behalf all the time. The Bible's full of times when he says, my ways are not your ways, my thoughts are not your thoughts, I'm higher than you, I'm bigger than you, I'm doing stuff you can't understand. Our job, friend, is not to understand how God works, but to simply trust that he is working on our behalf all the time. Number five, as I said before, you can never find peace or joy through circumstances, but only through faith. Number six, we get frustrated when we think God should work on our timeline. But we get peace when we relax and realize that his timing is always perfect. Now, in the book of Habakkuk, God used this horrible, evil nation called Babylon for his good purposes. That's mysterious, isn't it? His ways can be so far beyond what we can think of or even understand, but we are called to trust him anyway, to live by faith, not by sight. And right in the middle of this little three-chapter book in chapter 2, verse 4, Habakkuk says the righteous will live by faith. The righteous will live by faith. You can't live by what you have to see, and you can't live by your circumstances always working out for you, or you will never be happy. Now, those words, the righteous will live by faith, are quoted twice in the New Testament. That's how important they are. Romans 1.17 and Galatians 3.11. Paul reminds us the righteous will live by faith. The only thing that you have that you will never that you can never let go of that will always give you peace is hope and joy and joy can be found only by decoupling circumstance from peace of mind to land on that yet I will rejoice in the Lord now you can rejoice no matter what you're going through you can trust no matter what the outcome you are complete in Christ Because he is always there for you. His steadfast love never ceases. His mercies never come to an end, Lamentations tells us. They are new every morning. And that's why you can always land where Habakkuk landed and rejoice in the Lord. He did a transplant. He did self-brain surgery. He excised from his brain and from his heart and from his life these sayings like, if God will straighten these people up right now, then I'll be happy. He quit hoping things would work out in his time frame and in ways that he thought would satisfy his desires. Instead, he transplanted hope by finding the words, though and yet, though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vine, though my candidate might not have won, though my car payment is late, though my wife passed away, though my child died. Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vine, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, here it is, yet 
I will rejoice in the Lord. Though my candidate may not have won, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Though the government is taking a turn that I don't like, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Though it seems like evil is prevailing, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior, Habakkuk says. He gets rid of if and when and transplants though and yet. And my friend, that is the secret to becoming infinitely happier. The question for you, for me, for all of us is this. What are you focusing on? What are you focusing your if and whens on? And how is that working out for you? Sorry to sound like Dr. Phil. How about though my candidate didn't win, though my job isn't paying enough, though I've got COVID-19, though that relationship didn't work out, though the market is down, though the biopsy was bad, yet I will wait for the Lord. I will place my trust in him. I will be joyful Anyway, get rid of if, this, then, that, or if, when, if, when, and replace it with though and yet. Listen, this is good neuroscience. This is biblical. It will help you. Take a lesson from old Habakkuk. Allie, I hope this helped you. This was right exactly what I needed today, too. It's amazing how God puts all that stuff in your path. He put Habakkuk on my brain this week, and this is why. Because I needed to stop saying if, this election goes this way, then I'll feel better. If when this happens, then that. I needed to replace that with though and yet, and you do too, my friend, and it will make you more infinitely happier. But guess what? You have to start today. Hey, thanks for listening. Please subscribe to the show so you automatically get every episode. And if you like the show, you'll love my weekly letter. Check out my writing at drleewarren.substack.com, drleewarren.substack.com. Get the free newsletter every week for my best prescriptions for becoming healthier, feeling better, and being happier through the power of faith and neuroscience smashing together via self-brain surgery, drleewarren.substack.com. And if you need prayer, go to the prayer wall at wleewarrenmd.com slash prayer. The theme music for the show is Make Us One by Tommy Walker, graciously provided for free by the great folks over at tommywalkerministries.org. Check it out and consider supporting them, tommywalkerministries.org. Remember, you can't change your life until you change your mind. And the good news is you can start today. I'm Dr. Lee Warren. I'll talk to you soon. God bless you, friend. Have a great day.